Hello. Good morning, Kathy. How are, how are you doing today? I'm good. Thank you. I'll tell you what. This book is coming out at one of the... I, it, it, let me explain. I'm going to set it up first. The Charlotte Observer just recently ran a huge story on our serial killer from the 1980s, and now we've just had a national serial killer, and your book, The Bone Hacker. I mean, it's it's all coming together in one universe here. There we go. Serial killers. <laughs> <laughs> For you to go into these storylines, your mind must be always on fire. Well, it's always on the lookout as well. Mm -hmm. um, I get my ideas from cases that I've worked on personally, but also just anything, anything a colleague might mention, any news article. This actually originated, I read the New York Times expose on Pegasus and spyware and governments trying to spy on their citizens. And I thought, well, that's a really interesting topic for, for a story. Well, you bring in technology in this one, and I think that's going to bring in some of that those technology nerds going, really, this is interesting. Well, I hope so. Um, each of the books, it's a murder mystery, but what makes mine different is the solution is science-driven. Yeah. So um, this one deals with a serial killer in the Turks and Caicos Islands, a killer who hacks off his victim's left hand. But also, once she gets down there, it also deals with, the FBI shows up, and it seems there's some um, cyber crime going on. Someone's hacking into um, various security systems. See the double play on hacker there? <laughs> the cyber hacking and the hand hacking. Anyway, um, yeah, so I do bring in, in each book, a different type of forensic science, and in this one, we learn a bit about uh, cyber crime. When it comes to Tempe Brennan, how much of of you are is really Tempe? Because I mean, the, the, she's so real. Well, when I created the series way back in the day with Deja Dead, um, I thought it would be easier just to base my main my protagonist on myself. Yeah. So she's a anthropologist. I'm a forensic anthropologist. We both commute between the Carolinas and um, Montreal. Although she gets around, she's been to a lot of other places. Um, we both have the same sense of humor, I think. She's a bit sarcastic, very dry wit. But she's also her own person. She has her own. She's single. Her relationships are, her romantic relationships can be a bit rocky. Um, that's all. That's all Tempe. But see, that's what I like about it is that you make her real. You, you make it, as, as, you know, I, I can just, you know, in talking with my wife, she's like, I, I, I relate with this character in so many different ways. Yeah, when I created her, I didn't want to make her perfect. I wanted her to mm -hmm. be approachable and someone people could relate to. I wanted her to have some flaws. That's why she's an alcoholic. She does, she's a non-drinker. Um, I never go into that much, but I allude to the fact that she's had a colorful past with alcohol. So that's strictly Tempe. Inside the actual story itself, I mean, one of the things that you paint the picture of reality is the fact that people assumed it was gang-related. Yeah, because the, the initial death takes place in Montreal. A man is struck by lightning and falls off right. a bridge into the St. Lawrence River. And she IDs him partly by a tattoo, which is in the FBI tattoo database and leads her to the Turks and Caicos Islands. It's a, it's a tattoo associated with a gang down there. So initially her thought is, you know, that these murders that are taking place are somehow gang related. You know what's so funny about you just saying that? It, with, with the with the FBI having uh, pictures of tattoos, all of a sudden my mind went, wait a second, 
maybe they do because they're, those tattoo artists do p- take pictures of the tattoos we get. Who are they giving those pictures to? But wouldn't I mean? Wouldn't that make a great story to be able to go in there and investigate all of those tattoos to find out the personalities of each and every one of those people that got it? Well, that would make an interesting psychological profile, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When you write a book like this, and w- the thing is, is I was listening to Anderson Cooper the other night when they were talking about this current serial killer in America. The, the professional that was on there said that these serial killers spend their entire life practicing. Do you find that true when, when you go into you know the, the investigating that you do to bring out the stories? Um, I don't really do a lot of psychological investigation into the mind of the serial killer. I certainly talk about motive. Mm-hmm. Murder is one of the few crimes you have to address the question of motive. You don't, you know, with robbery, you know what the motive is. But with murder, you do have to look at the motive. And um, serial killers are clearly interesting people with interesting um, motives in, in their crimes. And, each, and they're not all the same. There is variation. As that writer and as that author, are you ever called into a case because of your personal experience? Because there are so many unanswered questions, and it's the experts that we need to bring in, and not somebody who's just fresh out of a uni- university. Yeah, I, I consult, but I consult on uh, the bones, cases in which we have a body that's compromised, it's right. modified or decomposed or burned or mutilated or dismembered, or maybe it's just bones. And I address the question of identity. Can we figure out who that person is? And the question of cause of death. Can we figure out what happened to them? Were they shot? Were they stabbed? Were they bludgeoned? So I work on the victim, him or herself. I don't really get into the police detective uh, aspect of it so much. I work with the detectives, of course, um, but I don't go out in the field uh, like Tempe does sometimes, (laughs) uh, really doing the gumshoe kind of work. So, but, but see, I think that's what, what's so fascinating about this is that as a reader, I, I just believe that you're just digging all the time. You're 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 going in and because I love a great mystery. I love podcasts that have the mystery to it, the little murder mystery to it. And and the attraction to this is like it's like I want to figure it out before you did. And it's, it's like, no, she wrote the book. You're not going to figure it out before she did. Well, I think that's my job as a writer of thrillers is I'm supposed to surprise the reader both with twists along the way and also with the ending. If the reader figures, if I, when I'm a reader and I do write, like to read thrillers, if I figure it out, I'm a bit disappointed in the author. Yeah. I like that. I like, it, it has to be fair. You have to plant the clues. It's fair to plant red flag clues, uh, false clues, but you have to tie everything off and you can't rely on coincidence. And, you know, that's, that's a tough job, pulling all of that together so that the reader is satisfied. How tough is it to do the continuity? Because, I mean, with, with a story, I mean, you've got to pay attention to every single bit of the storyline that you've laid down and make sure that all the dots are connected. Yeah, and I don't outline very much before I write a book. Really? But I keep kind of a post-mortem mm-hmm. outline as I finish each chapter. I create a little paragraph of what went on in that chapter. And by the end of the time I'm writing, I do have an outline. So and I am constantly going back to correct things and check things and change things. Wow. So do you so a little bit of fermenting go on with the writing where you've got to set, step away from it for a little bit and then come back into it and get a better picture? I try to write every day that I can. And I'm a very linear writer. I start with chapter one and then chapter two and really? then chapter three. 
until the whole book is is finished, and then I print it out the old-fashioned way, hard copy, and I me. go through it and I make changes. And but it's also a feedback process. As I'm writing, I may think of things I hadn't thought of at the outset, little twists or or whatever. See, that's that's my favorite part about writing a book is when you do laid out like that and then you go back in there. But I do it with a writing instrument first, and then I go in and type it. And usually the story you know completely changes once I get it on into the computer. Yeah, I go right to the computer. I don't, you know, I may spend one day outlining a plot on paper, but pretty much I go straight to the computer. What is it like for you to to, to get with the with the readers? Because you you just mentioned that you were on a small little tour. Because I mean, it, first of all, when when I imagine the words on paper, I it's like I can almost hear your voice, and then when I get to physically talk to you, it's like, well, I was a little bit off, but 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 yet I can hear her passion. Well, my voice isn't great right now because I've just finished a you know a, a week long tour and I'm doing a lot of interviews. So plus I have some kind of pollen allergy or something yeah. going on. But um, it's great to meet with the readers. I, I don't enjoy the travel. I don't think anybody enjoys schlepping through airports anymore. <laughs> um, but I love being there and I do love being able to interact with my readers and and you get energy from that because they're so enthused to that it really does kindle your fires again. One of the things that you brought up in the conversation, and I, I don't want to go without talking about it, is that you said you traveled between the Carolinas. I'm in Charlotte. Where, where are you at in the Carolinas? I'm in Charlotte. You are. But I also, oh my, my primary home is in, is in Charlotte, in Southeast Charlotte, uh, but I also have a home at Isle of Palms down near Charleston, oh so I go back and forth. Oh, my God. Oh, what is it? Let's see, I've, one of my books was partially written in Charleston, and I was, I was over there on John's Island, and, and it's, like, it's like, I mean, to, what is it like to, to write at Isle of Palms? Well, I have an office on both ends. My office at the Isle of Palms house is right above the beach. I look out on the water and I'll see my kids and my grandkids going the wooden boardwalk to the beach in front of our house. And there I am kind of stuck at the keyboard. (laughs) Lovely place to work and try not to be distracted. Oh my God! See, that's like that's like me. I'm I'm here in Ballantyne, overlooking this this forest that we planted in 1997, and it's it's like yeah, there's just something about looking out that window for a writer. Right, right. Wow. So now we know that we're, this is the book that you're that you're promoting right now, The Bone Hacker. But a writer's eye is never closed. So therefore, can you talk about what's coming up next? Well, I'm even as we speak, I'm sitting at my computer working on book number 23. Wow. In the it will be called Fire and Bones, and uh, what can I say about it? It'll take place in Washington, D.C. Um, yeah, and so we'll learn a little bit about arson investigation and um, some strange things that went on in D.C. back in the 30s and 40s during Prohibition. Wow. Now, did your little tour take you over there to the Park Road Shopping Center to that bookstore? Because they are so into authors. I know they are, and for some reason, my publicist booked me into a Barnes and Noble yeah. at Valentine, oh, and they did a wonderful they did a great event but um, yeah Park Road does a fantastic job oh my god Kathy one day we've got to meet for some for, for some fancy coffee because I mean author to author we you know it's, it's it's so fun to sit down with other people who write and the sacrifices that we make in order to bring words to life yes I would like that excellent well you be brilliant today okay all right thank you so much <laughs>